Welcome to the Represent Now podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Melixetian. Today we're joined by Annie Dashtoyan. She's the manager of worldwide creative content at Warner Brothers, and most recently the producer of the behind-the-scenes content and marketing campaigns on Dune Part 2, which releases in theaters March 1st, which is also the day this episode premieres. So as you're listening to this, the film is already in theaters, and you should definitely go check it out. Thank you so much, Annie, for joining me today. Um, I know it's a crazy busy time for you, so I appreciate taking the time out of your schedule to do this interview. How are you? Of course, I'm good. How are you? This is so exciting. Yeah, it is. I'm very excited to talk to you um, and learn more about your work and all the projects and stuff coming up. I wanted to jump just straight into some questions. So I wanted to know a little bit more about your um, your career. Can you explain a little about what your job entails? Yeah, so we, um, I get started on a film you know, as soon as it has a start date for production. So we see the schedule, we read the script, we, depending on the budget, we either pick a day that, you know, or days that we want a shooter to capture behind the scenes or we're embedded with the production the entire time. So we do our onset interviews, we do our, you know, behind the scenes capture all the B-roll. We bring all that in and then we kind of start to conceptualize how this film is going to be marketed. So we'll create either long form behind the scenes making of or most recently it's even just quick bits you know for tiktok because that's how the new generation takes in all their content so um, this is where the the marketing is leading yeah uh i've been seeing those tiktoks for dune and it looks great so every time i see it i'm like annie's behind this (laughs) it's really cool it's been exciting but it's definitely a new part of my job that i'm learning too I'm not much on TikTok, so I'm trying to understand. So like the first few that we did on another project, they said, it's too editorial. I'm like, so we're supposed to make it not look pretty. They're like, yes. I'm like, okay, so make it look like it's, you know, just a person creating it and not a studio. So that's it's, it's learning. Yeah, it's definitely a completely different medium than um, like the long format that you're seeing that we're used to seeing on the streaming platforms, like the long documentaries that we used to see, you know, on DVDs and stuff like that. So it's a completely different language. So that's really exciting. So what's an average day for you like at work? And what's a not so average day whenever it's like the high moments? It depends on the day because, yeah, like you said, we have highs and lows. Um, if we're in the thick of a campaign, like right now, it's it's everything is so fast paced. The do, you know the deadlines are, we'll get a request like, hey, have this needed in an hour. So it, it really depends. But so while we're, for example, working on Dune right now, there's also some stuff that we're still finishing up for the Color Purple that premiered in December because we also do the home entertainment campaign. So that goes out until, you know, the DVD release comes out. So, but we're also at the same time working on projects that bring up production. So it's like, well, today I'm focusing on, for example, this Dune IMAX piece that's supposed to deliver. We do that and then quickly shift gears of, okay, we need to get approvals for, you know, these pieces that also need to release. So it's a lot of juggling, but 
these are the days that we're not on set or we're not traveling. So it's they're more chill days. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, you really have to be fit for that job because you have to just switch between projects and have a very organized um, personality, I guess, in a way. So, yeah, it's a lot of work and in entertainment, a lot of is hurry up and go. Um, But yeah. And it's also like it's it could be the same film. But we market it differently for pre-release versus how we do it for post-release. You know, there are things that we don't show in that pre-release window. But then as soon as the movie comes out, you know, we can show how the sausage is made a little bit more. Hmm. I see. And um, can you talk a little bit about how you got into this field? Was it something you always knew you wanted to go into? Or did you start in a different field completely and come to film and entertainment later on? I love answering this question because I feel like from when I was in the third grade, I knew what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a journalist because I loved anything creative. I I wrote a book when I was in seventh or eighth grade. I can't remember. And it was about how this little girl becomes what journalism is because, you know, like most uh, immigrant kids, you know, you're a doctor, you're a lawyer, you're an accountant. There are just (laughs) so many jobs that you can do. But I always knew I wanted to do something creative. I just didn't know what that was. So I was going to be going to school for journalism. Um, There was like a brief period where I was unemployed when I was 20 years old. And I took this temp job. My husband's friend was working at a temp agency. He's like, it's at Warner Brothers. I'm like, what's the job? He's like, your background's in customer service. Just just show up at 9 a.m. We'll figure it out. I was like, okay. So I showed up. And it was when um, Harry Potter 7.2 was coming out on DVD. And it was the first movie that the studio was, I think it was the first movie that they were marketing it as like a digital copy. So you buy the physical DVD and you get a digital copy. But it wasn't specific that you don't get an Apple iTunes redemption code. So my first day, I sat in a single office with eight people scratching iTunes gift cards and giving them out to customers. <laughs> so that was I, I temped around for about two years in the studio. Um, went to consumer products. I did technical operations. We created XML templates. Um, it, was, it was interesting to know the different parts of the business and to know what I really want to do until I ended up in the content team where I'm like, this is the stuff I loved watching growing up. It didn't even occur to me that it's a job. I loved watching, you know, the making of behind the scenes on the DVDs. We were such a huge movie buff family growing up. So it was surprising. I'm like, how did I think of this? This is a job. Yeah, yeah. I completely feel, um, yeah, I mean, that's it's really interesting because I remember when I was younger, too, I loved those behind the scenes features on like the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. And of course, at the time, I wasn't like thinking it could be a career or that because you don't see like Armenians that much, especially back then. Now a little bit more, but um, you know, you didn't see people like uh, from your community in it. So you thought, okay, that's not, like a whole different world completely. So it's not something I'm going to pursue or can pursue. But it was always fascinating. So I think it's something that's very common with um, with people in the Armenian community where we love films, but. Um, Back then, it was kind of like unheard of to go into it, especially like you said, uh, I'm also uh, an immigrant too. I moved to the U.S. when I was little. So it was very much like an expectation of going to medicine, law, business, you know. And I think my mom still doesn't know what I do. <laughs> I am. 
I showed her a documentary I produced and, I, and it said my name and I was like, Mom, look. She goes, What did you do though? <laughs> it's so hard to explain. <laughs> her um a DVD and on it was like a sticker that said hour long documentary on the making of. So like I showed her, I'm like, look, I did this. And she goes, You put the sticker on the box. <laughs> <laughs> yes, mom. Stickers on boxes all day, that's my job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Paul, that'd be pretty easy. Yeah, it's your job. I take it. Yeah, it is sometimes hard. I think, like, even with my grandparents, they still don't fully understand like the the things that I do as well. So, as long as you're enjoying it, as long as it's you're passionate about it, yeah, that's that's all that matters. Yeah, all that matters. And I think that's so important in a job too. There are so many people that I've either interviewed over the years or just people I've come across in like some of these Armenian Film Society events where they did the thing that their parents wanted them to do. But they realize how miserable they are. Like, it's not their passion. At the end of the day, you have to love what you do. And it's just, if you're going to be doing a job that you don't love and you're in it for the money for 40, 50 years, you're going to be so miserable. Yeah, you're just dedicating your life to it if, if you're not going to enjoy it. Yeah, I know I know a lot of people who pursued, you know, law or medicine. And halfway through or after they graduate, they're like, I don't want to actually do this. And unfortunately, I wasted so many years. But, you know, it's if they're passionate about it enough, I think it's never too late. People can still pursue it in some form or fashion. So, I mean, there's there's people who are, um, for example, famous lawyers, but they love film so much. They've been producing films on the side. And I think oh, that's yeah. so interesting because there's still um, these skill sets that you can bring into the film and entertainment industry, whether for, you're from a business background or a law or anything like that. So there's, yeah. And I think you just you have to have it in you and whether like when it comes, creative is so subjective. So you either have that passion and drive and creativity or you don't. So it's, it has to be in you. And I think that's so important. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I wanted to also ask you what were um, some of the biggest challenges when you first got into your career and what are the challenges that you still face today? Are they the same or different? You know, one thing I wish I knew in my 20s and or even when I was first starting out was you have to network. And that's something that's so I lack. I, I love to talk a lot, but at the end of the day, I'm an introvert and I am not really good at networking, but you have to know people. You have to talk to people because if you don't, you don't put yourself out there. You don't promote your work. Good work just isn't enough. You know, you have to put that work out there. You have to talk to the right people. You have to make connections. You have to make sure that people remember you. And, you know, if they need something, they know who to contact. Because just doing a good job and keeping your head in the sand just isn't, that doesn't cut it. And I think that's my my biggest challenge, for sure. Yeah, I I completely agree. I also feel like I'm an introvert. But when I came into this industry, I actually was passionate about it. And I was like, okay, I'm kind of more um, swayed to do the networking because I'm meeting like-minded people. And that kind of helps if, if if you know that you're surrounded by people who are similar, share similar interests, have um, a similar mindset, you're going to connect with so many people. And what you said about networking and having your connections, that's so important because it is who you know. 
in any industry, but more so in entertainment. It is who you know, and um, it's who knows you as well. I've recently learned that. And you do have to just kind of um, be, you know, a spokesperson for yourself. We were talking about this a little bit before um, the interview. And if, if you don't, your work's going to go unnoticed because things are moving so fast as well. You just have to put it out there or else it's going to get lost in the sea of information and uh, content out there. Yeah, for sure. There's so much content and it, it is a saturated market in every field as far as entertainment. So I think it's being loud for yourself. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. I no. completely agree. <laughs> yeah. I, I used to think that, oh my God, like I don't have an ego. I can't do that. But it, there's nothing wrong with it. That's what you have to do. Yeah, yeah. Because it, a lot of the times it comes from just judging ourselves and being self-critical because a lot of the times when we see someone else promoting their work, we're not really judging them. We're, we're cheering for them. So, But we need to realize that other people were, will cheer for us too if we just talk about what we're doing. So, yeah. That's all we have to do. We just have to continue talking. Um, John, I wanted to also ask, so what's your favorite thing about your, your job, about your career? My favorite thing is also my least favorite thing. So it's getting to, to interview people and also just dealing with the directors because I've been so fortunate to work with some amazing directors and they're my favorite part. I love working with them. They, Some of them are so collaborative and love what we do. But on the other hand, it's inter- sometimes we come across, I'm not, like I'm not going to name drop anybody here, but we come across people that it could be somebody you idolize, but then you meet them and it just, it's crushing. <laughs> yeah. So, but it's just hearing, and because we deal with all the heads of departments, it's, amazing to see all the work we get so intimate with them on certain projects it was a project that we did last summer where we took a camera and we recorded the mixing process the editing process the vfx process and it was just so amazing to to sit and talk to the people that you know most people unless you're a film film buff you don't really care about but what they do is so important so i I love that part yeah, so many details go into it. And the fact that any movie gets made is just <laughs> shocking. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it still must be so exciting, though, because um, like you said, you wanted to pursue journalism. So you're still kind of pursuing those interests that you've always had growing up. And um, you have this behind the scenes of, you know, the projects that most people, audiences don't get to see. So the fact that you get to share such nuanced details of it is, I think, for film buffs and people who are fans of franchises and projects and actors, it's always so interesting to see what's going on. So, yeah, it's it's a huge part of... That's what we do. I like, it's, we produce things that we ourselves would want to see too. And I think that's so cool. And even just getting on a, like a big film will have like 60 to 80 terabytes of assets that we have to go through. So it's like going through that and picking out some unique moments that we see from that or hearing an interview and that will trigger an idea like, oh, maybe we can do a piece around XYZ saying this. Like, this is so cool. So it's like a little puzzle. Yeah, you're like curating the story. It's storytelling in, in a different format. Yeah, 
definitely. That kind of leads into another question. Um, have you considered re- venturing into other areas of film and entertainment, like maybe directing or writing or producing? Writing and producing is definitely uh, a big passion of mine. And that's the thing. It's like to to go down the more, it, it kind of goes back to me not advocating for myself because we have these great filmmaker relationships. But also it's like, I leave it at that. But it's like, I don't, I could go out and make those connections. I, I just feel like, oh my God, that's so inappropriate. But there are people that do that. You know, studio people that work closely with, filmmakers and then they kind of pitch themselves to go down that producer route but it is definitely a big goal and passion to kind of take that leap mm-hmm. eventually it's just it is a little bit challenging with family and kids and I feel like um Yvette Amirian who's you know, a brilliant editor her and I talk about it so much how it's so difficult and not difficult. It is challenging when you have kids and you're in entertainment because you see people quickly rising the ranks. It's which is a little bit easier to do when you don't have a family because you can't just, you know, you know, there was a set that I was on last summer. I felt guilty leaving for more than a week. I could have, you know, but I, I didn't want to do that to my husband. He's such an amazing husband who's so supportive. And I'm like, I can't leave this poor man with three kids for more than a week. <laughs> But having a strong support system is just everything. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I remember um, Yvette was talking about that during um, an event last year for the Army and Women in Entertainment, I believe. And she oh, was yeah, talking about, I think it was her, oh, one of the other panelists, I can't exactly remember, but um, they were talking about how, um, you know, being a woman specifically who has kids, who has a family, you just, it, it's impossible to do it unless you have that support system like your backbone to you know uh fill in the gaps when you need to be gone because uh, in entertainment you could be working on projects that take up months or years so it's definitely a factor that affects it and um (laughs) a lot of the times I remember they were saying you know women don't I mean men don't get asked this question because they're not expected to be you know um caretakers in a way so that kind of allows them to have that freedom to pursue things and have that audaciousness to you know like you're saying connect and advocate for themselves whenever they meet a new person so there's definitely challenges that um affect you know people in the industry who happen to be women yeah for sure i'm lucky that my husband is not in entertainment because i don't know how those people do it because <laughs> that is just a whole challenge yeah, I imagine that would be really difficult if everyone's just like on a completely different um, non-routine kind of schedule. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, somebody at least, you know, there's a balance here. <laughs> yeah, you need someone to balance you out for sure. Yeah. I also wanted to talk about, um, you know, representation for Armenians. What does representation mean to you as an Armenian American and as an immigrant? Um, why does representation matter so much for our community? I think it goes back to that earlier conversation where we don't know that certain jobs exist. And I think it's so important just seeing someone. And I'm not just talking about seeing them on screen, but just seeing a name. I mean, we've all done it. We've all looked at the credits to see if there's an Armenian. Yeah, so, looking for the I-N-Y-N. Yeah, it's just giving that next generation hope. And that's all That's all I can ask for is 
if somebody sees my name and they think, I don't know who this person is, I don't even know what this role is, but there's if that person can do it and if this person who's in who was an immigrant grew up with a single mom in poverty can do it without some fancy college degree, anyone can do it. You know, you don't have to be go to this Ivy League school, have these parents that have all these connections to be able to make it because I feel like that's what that's the preconceived notion of, you know, how a lot of people make it. And I, I don't think that's the case anymore. There was a, there's a, a BTS producer that we've worked with a lot. Her name's Christina Hakopian. She's amazing. And we uh, collaborated on this project. It was called Smallfoot. It was an animated film. Hmm. And so we were asked to do like a little trivia thing that popped up because it was like an interactive trivia game that popped up while the movie was, you know, playing. And in this movie, the small foot is, or the people, it's about yetis and, you know, there's a small foot. So one of the, one of the notes that Christina put in was, um, you know, the first shoe was found in Armenia that's dated back to 5,000 years. So it's like even something as little as that, mm-hmm. when two Armenians come together and we put that little thing out there, it's not, a, it may not be a big deal to some, but I'm like, there is some kid out there reading that, watching it and thinking that is so cool. Or even there's a kid seeing it and going, What's Armenia? And let me find out. I don't know. I think that's super cool. I mean, um, yeah, it, it means so much for us. We have been so um, absent from entertainment media. Like any tiny thing that we can find that kind of represents us or someone who represents us, we get so excited about it. And, and like you were saying, there are so many different jobs. It doesn't have to be on screen. And I think a lot of people think, oh, if you're going to go into it, you have to be an actor or a director or a writer. And that's it. There are so many jobs in the entertainment industry. If you're interested, you'll find something with your skill set. If you're more behind the scenes person, you can find something in that. If you have a marketing background, you can find something in that legal, you know, anything. So it's um, and. It's so important to see people like you for people to know that it is possible. And I think it is changing with the newer generation and it makes me so happy. Um, I get so excited to see so many kids wanting to um, go into acting, wanting to go into filmmaking and stuff. It it truly makes me truly happy. Like I don't and I always try to encourage people to go into it if they have like a little nugget of um hope in them to pursue something like that i'm like just just go for it just try it we need more people like you uh for our community to be represented because the more we have in numbers the better our chances of you know yeah we have to make ourselves known our our culture known because nobody else is going to do it it's it's up to us oh yeah for sure actually yeah what advice would you actually give to um someone younger who wants to do what you do i think if, if I were to go back, I think I would have started out as an assistant or, you know, I started off as a coordinator, but when you are an assistant or, you know, even with a filmmaker or producer, I think that's you get just a different experience. It's not easy. You're going to have to have thick skin for sure. And I think that's just an entertainment in general. You're going to have to have thick skin because it's not for the fate of heart. Um, but I think starting off as an assistant to literally anybody or even if it's a studio person it's getting that experience and getting that insight that you normally wouldn't because there are people that have started off as assistants they're amazing directors amazing producers now so it's 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 a definitely a different path but yeah it's thick skin and starting off as an assistant or a pa 
and also once you grow that's such a good way to know every part of the job you know where i feel like when you just come in straight to the top you don't know what everybody is doing you don't know what you know grip is doing you don't know what catering is doing but mm-hmm. it's so important to know all those aspects of the job yeah and i feel like it just um having different um tasks you have once you get to the top you're better able able to um delegate tasks and collaborate better and communicate better with people whereas if you just go straight to something which is is a rare thing for people to shoot up to the top immediately but if you do you might not be able to communicate or, or know what um like the pa's task or day is like or what they're running through or you know uh, the challenges that come with that role so I feel like you appreciate the people around you a little bit more. You can almost tell when you deal with um, top talent, you can tell where, how they came up because it's how they treat other people. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to jump into the quick, like fun little questions. Um, so I wanted to know what was it like working with Timothy Chalamet and Zendaya? Did you work with them on location or was it on set, like in the studio during press days? Yeah, I was. We did more studio work. I was pregnant when they were shooting uh, part two, um, and part one was. And that was post COVID. I wasn't on part one, but it was more studio, and so we did um, did part one Wonka and then part two with Timothy. So he he was just he's amazing, just the nicest person ever, and he's the type of person when he walks into a room, you know, acknowledges everybody. Which I you know, how many people in Hollywood do that? So. It's amazing. I ha- I didn't work as closely with Zendaya because she wasn't in the movies in the first movie so much. But on this one, she's she's just she's like a goddess. Like she floats. She doesn't walk. She floats. Yeah. <laughs> so you know they're both really nice. Just been very collaborative. It's been, it's been a great experience. I'm under the impression that it must have been really fun. Yeah, for sure. And you know they're both such amazing actors. They really can do so many different roles and especially in this one where his character is so different from the first one it's it's amazing i can't wait to watch it i'm so excited the trailers and everything looks so great and it's a bigger cast too with like florence Pugh, austin butler and everyone so i'm really excited to see it yeah i don't think i'll ever get tired of watching it you're an avid reader which of your favorite books would you turn into a movie? Oh, that's a, that's such a good question because, you know, that's literally my dream job is to just read all day and turn them into movies. <laughs> um, there's a good book that I read, which would be challenging to do. It's called The History of Wild Places, and it's kind of like a thriller. It's very similar to Get Out. It's so good. Highly recommended. I read it in like two days. I couldn't put it down. but it, it, And I would want to do that because it would be challenging. Mm, okay. I've, I've never, um, I, I have never heard of it, but I'm going to look into it. Who is your favorite Armenian actor or filmmaker or artist? Oh, that's a good question. I think Armenian filmmaker, I might be biased. I don't know. It would be Savalanyan because, you know, He's he's so talented and has done such amazing big things, but still doesn't forget where he came from, where mm-hmm. he came from, and never forgets the Armenian community, and that's I think amazing. And obviously, you know him and Natalie are like the ultimate power couple. 
And, you know, but after seeing also Amity Gatsi, I think Michael or Jin was just, that movie blew my mind because, you know, every Armenian film or film made by an Armenian cast with an Armenian director, I always go in a little bit hesitant because I just want to love it. And, you know, some I've, some I've really enjoyed, but there's always something that I feel like could be better. But going into Amity Gatsi, that just blew my mind. It had literally everything it was funny it was heartfelt. it was emotional i mean i went to the premiere the part mm-hmm. where they announced that stalin died and the crowd literally cheered and i'm like this is so amazing like these are people that lived through this and they probably remember where they were when they got them. so it was it was an amazing experience and i think you did such a good job with that film yeah it was so high quality it was such like high caliber the acting the cast the talent um just the production design the cinematography it it was a beautiful film um i completely agree so what was the last most recent good movie or show you've watched i'm watching i you know i don't watch too many shows but i am watching griselda right now it's so good she's so convincing she wants you Makes you want to be like a coke dealer or something. She's <laughs> so good. Um, I really want to watch it. I also watched um, American Nightmare with the cinematography. The editing of that was so beautiful. The story itself wasn't anything crazy because it's a story we've seen on the news. Um, but I think the cinematography, especially for a documentary, was mm. beautiful in that. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'll have to add them to the list. But Griselda, for sure, I, I have to watch. I, I love Sofia Vergara. She's so good. She's unrecognizable. Yeah, I'm excited to see her in a role like this. Because I've always seen her in like Modern Family and comedies and things like that. So I'm I'm dying to see her like sink her teeth into a really like dramatic, meaty role. Yeah, I didn't know she can do that. But she yeah. clearly can. And I just have one last question, Annie. Um what is on the docket? Any new projects you're working on that you can talk about? Yeah, actually, one that I can talk about because it was announced today was uh, Beetlejuice. That's just that's a movie that I've loved watching since I was a kid. That was like my favorite movie. My mom was very strict with films growing up. Um, I really wanted to watch The Files, but she wouldn't let me because that's not appropriate. <laughs> so, but Beetlejuice was one because I think she didn't know what it was about, which. Having watched it with my daughter now, I think it's a little morbid for like a six-year-old to watch. But it was it was my favorite movie. And even when I heard rumors of this movie possibly, you know, being in the works, I was harassing my boss about it because you know I don't work on all the films. Obviously, we get assigned titles, and I said I I will do anything. I want to work on this. I have to work on this. I'm going to fight anybody that. I was very blessed to to be involved with the production it was just a very pinch me moment for sure yeah that must be a dream come true um is it uh, i don't know much about it because i just saw you post about it today is it again tim burton yeah. directing okay nice, nice. I'm like i'm not sure what i can say but i'm like tim burton posted it so i think i can talk about okay, that okay. <laughs> no other but details i like I can say that. But. Okay, okay, good. I won't harangue you for any other like <laughs> details or anything. We'll find out as it gets released. Um, thank you so much again for doing this. You're the first person I'm interviewing for the for the podcast. So I'm excited. I go ahead. Sorry, 
I'm just saying it's I this is such an amazing podcast that you're doing and I feel like I wish I had this you know obviously podcasts went around when I was growing up but I think it's a great thing for for young viewers or listeners to to have access to and be privy to um so I think you're doing an amazing job and thank you I'm sure a big thing. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm I'm doing it because I've always been passionate about um, you know, connecting with other Armenians, um, supporting other Armenians, and that's kind of how the podcast originally started. And then I kind of wanted to expand it a bit more to other communities. But yeah, it's kind of like a resource that I also wish I had because I knew no one coming into the business. So uh, hopefully it'll be a way for um, for younger audiences to find inspiration, advice, like the amazing advice you gave, or even people who are just, you know, professionals in the industry, but they want to reach out and connect to other people from their community and support and lift up and, you know, all of that good stuff. So it's exciting. And it was really nice, like, hearing about your your work and finding out a little bit more details about what you do. And um, it's just, it's always so fascinating. So thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for tuning to this episode. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at RepresentNowPod and to give us a rating or review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Until next time.